Welcome in to episode 17 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. Episode 17 is brought to you by University Traditions. Go check them out. They have several amazing hat designs for uh, Arkansas in general, but also in uh, several other different universities and different different things around. Um, but you can go on and use promo code VSN15 to receive 15% off your order. Again, that's University Traditions. Go check them out on Twitter. Um, check out their webpage. They have a lot of great things. Um, I know I said last week I have a hat myself that um, – I like to wear pretty frequently. So, you know, they have good quality products. So go check them out. So we'll jump in here with some this week. We have some Arkansas football news where in a surprising signing, Arkansas signed former Georgia cornerback Jaheim Singletary out of the transfer portal. He was a former five star recruit out of Jacksonville, Florida, where he played in three games in the 22-23 season for Georgia. And he stacks up at 6'2", 175 pounds. Um, this huge pickup. I mean, it's. I don't think there's any way to kind of go better than you're saying. That's that's a really big get for us. Um, I think this is kind of a testament to Woodson already coming in there and really getting the ball rolling on reaching out to guys and, and seeing who all he can bring into the program. But we we need help at cornerback, honestly. Um, so th- this is a big get. As about to say, yeah, you can tell from the work we've did in the offseason along with, you know, signing him now, but also early in the transfer portal season and a combination of that and incoming freshmen where we have, I think I saw a total of eight, you know, secondary players coming in. Um, you know, we got those two transfers coming in from Baylor as well. Um, and then kind of following up on that, kind of some big news as well in the secondary is, uh, Coach Sam Pittman came out yesterday, I believe, and said that Quincy McAdoo will remain at cornerback in the secondary uh, for this upcoming season and that he could have packages on third down playing wide receiver. So that will be something to take a look at this upcoming season, especially how the secondary shakes out with the depth charts and what that's going to look like. I think having added depth there with a lot of these transfers coming in, especially some of them being, you know, very talented, you'll have obviously some good competition, you know, on the team just to kind of vie for those starting spots. Um, but then just the the added depth down the stretch of the season where you, you don't wear guys out so bad, you you have a little bit more uh, flexibility yeah. if you run into the injury bug, I guess you could say. And so that, a, lot, a lot of good things there to add in some depth to that position. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's going to be something to see, hopefully. I think it's going to be hard to be much worse than we were this past season in the secondary, you know, with us, how struggled we are. And I think definitely there will be improvement. Very much so. We'll uh, go ahead and switch gears over to Arkansas basketball news, um, where the women's basketball team played Missouri on March 2nd in the second round of the women's SEC tournament. Um, they won this matchup 85 to 74. Um, Chrissy Carr led the team in scoring with 34 points. She had a monster game, um, followed by Samara Spencer with 19 points and Michaela Daniels with 17 points. Sailor Poffenberger led the team in rebounds with 11, followed by Samara Spencer and Miriam Dada with five rebounds apiece, and Riley Langerman with four rebounds. Um, the team overall shot 46.3% from the field, going 25 of 54. Um, they shot a Pretty stellar, 41.4% from three-point range, going 12 of 29, and then 85.2% from the free throw line, going 23 of 27. Um, this was the career high for Chrissy Carr. She definitely 
came out, showed out, and uh, got the, the Lady Razorbacks to a win here. Yeah, that's true. It was a monster game from her with her hair coming out and, you know, scoring that career high with 34 points. But also I think this was a game where you had several players coming in and out of the game with injuries throughout. You know, I know I watched part of this game and you had Samara Spencer and Michaela Daniels both come in and out of this game with, you know, almost stingers and sort of injuries where they had to be out a few minutes but managed to come back in the game and – you know, help lead the hogs to a win. Yeah. Th- thing that stands out to me is obviously the, the three point shot percentages. I mean, 41.4 is about as good as you can get. Um, and we've talked about it before in previous episodes. I mean, they, they kind of live and die by the three and if they're hitting them, they're hard to beat. Um, obviously you have games where you don't hit those and, and we really struggle there, but they also did a great job kind of in 10 with hitting all those threes, getting to the free throw line, hitting 23 out of off the of 27 attempts. So r- really good job to the team there on, on creating offense, whether it be from three or getting to the line. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's what I was going to say. You know, we talked about it in several previous episodes where, you know, when we're shooting above that, you know, 30, 35%, you know, from three point range, those games are the typically the games we have success in and are more likely to get the wins. And unfortunately, you know, with us getting the win, it was a good win in the first round, our first round of this, you know, our matchup in the second round versus Missouri. But unfortunately, that led us to our next matchup where the next day they had to take on South Carolina, the number one seed in the SEC tournament, and most likely the number one overall seed in the women's NCAA tournament as well. Where, you know, unfortunately, Arkansas fell in this one, 93 to 66. Um, in this game, Taylor Poffenbarger was the team's leading scorer with 22 points, followed by Samara Spencer with 16 points and Michaela Daniels with 12 points. Riley Langerman led the team in rebounds with seven, followed by Taylor Poffenbarger with four and Chrissy Carr with three. In this game, the team shot 32.8% from the field, going 22 of 67, 29.4% from the three-point range, going 10 of 34, and 85.7% from the free throw line going 12 of 14. This is one of those games where we talked about, you know, like we said, a kind of flip side of um, the last game where 29.4% from three-point range. It's still not terrible, but, I mean, you, you go up against the juggernaut of South Carolina and then, you know, unfortunately only got to the line 14 times, so that that hurt also. Yeah. And so, I mean, we'll have to see now. It's now waiting time for selection day where we'll see if they get a bid for the tournament. Uh, They'll most likely go in as a lower seed. I mean, we'll we'll just have to see. Uh, Maybe they can squeak in and maybe make a run. You know, you you never know when teams can get hot in March. Got to keep it in that three ball, man. (laughs) That's true. That's that's I think that's their bread and their butter. So, you know, they've got to make sure it's working. All right, we'll uh, bounce over to the men's basketball team where we played Kentucky at home on March 4th. Um, unfortunately, dropped this game. It was kind of back and forth early on, but lost the season finale at Bud Walton, 88-79. to um, Nick Smith Jr. led the team in scoring with 25 points, um, followed by Ricky Council with 16 points, and Anthony Black followed up with 14 points. Um, Anthony Black actually led the team in rebounds with eight, followed by Jordan Walsh with seven rebounds and Mikhail Mitchell with five. Uh, the team shot 35.7% from the field, going 25 of 70, 
31.8% from three, going 7 to 22, and then shot 64.7% from the free throw line, going 22 to 34. Um, so kind of, kind of the item of note there, obviously, is just missing 12 free, free throws when you lose by nine. There's there's definitely some, uh, some points to be desired there. Um, kind of a brutal game um, as far as officiating goes. Devo got ejected this game. Um, Oscar Chibwe arguably should have been ejected this game, swinging some elbows. Uh, it was just kind of a chippy game. I think Kentucky was kind of out for some revenge from when we beat them at Rupp Arena earlier in the year. So what are your thoughts on this game, Caleb? Yeah, it was one of those games that you could tell from the get-go that it was going to be a chippy, very emotional game from the get-go. Um it, it was just a tough one that, you know, with it being home, you thought, you know, maybe some of those calls and those things like that would fall our way a little bit more than they did. Um, and that was very questionable with that she boy. I don't know how he remained in the game. I think I know a lot of Arkansas fans were very curious at why um, when you can clearly see that was not a, a type of basketball play that he made. Um, with the elbow to, I think first it was Mikael Mitchell and then um, another player down the road. I think maybe it was Graham or somebody like that, I think. But it was just a very back-and-forth intense game. And like you said, it's hard to stress enough free throw line. 64% is not going to cut it. You know, like you said, we lost by nine, missed 12. You know, even if you made, you know, nine out of 12 there, you're, you're tying up the game. Um, and it's something that hopefully this team will bounce back from, you know, it was four straight losses and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but they, the men's team had their matchup versus Auburn in the SEC tournament tonight, but um, it was hopefully we, we were wanting to end the game on a winning note, but, you know, unfortunately we couldn't, but I think that's something you'll see when we talk about the game here in just a minute that happened tonight that um, we could bounce back from. And, you know, flipping over to that, you know, Arkansas did take on Auburn in the SEC first round of the SEC tournament tonight where um, this was a very close game where it had Arkansas fans. I know myself on the edge of my seat right there those last two minutes of the game where Arkansas won a close one, 76 to 73. And you had Anthony Black step up and lead the team in scoring this game with 19 points, followed by Nick Smith Jr. with 14 and Mikhail Mitch or Makai Mitchell with 12 points. So it, it's good to see him up in that kind of leading score range. He's a guy that I think if we're going to make a run is going to have to step up. And then you have Devo coming in, leading the team in rebounding with 10 point, 10 rebounds, followed by Makai and Anthony Black with six apiece and Jordan Walsh with four. This game, you know, the team shot decent from this game where they got 56% from the field going 28 of 50, 27.3% from three-point range going three of 11, where you'd like to see that a little bit higher, but um, with us still being able to pull out the win, you, that, that's that's what you got to focus on. And then shooting a, a decent 73.9% from the free throw line going 17 of 23. This is like what I like to see from this team. You know, that lower to mid 70s on your free throw percentage is kind of where you want to sit. And, you know, better would be great. But if you have to sit around somewhere 
you know, this is a good percentage. And, you know, there was a clutch shot from Nick Smith to put the Hogs up, as well as some clutch free throws from Devo. So, you know, Seth, tell us your thoughts on this game. Yeah, um, obviously shot the free throws a little bit better. I think at one point in the first half, we were 9 of 10 or 9 of 11 or something like that. So so kind of set the tone early on making our free throws. That, that carried into later on in the game. We had a couple misses, but wasn't – it didn't seem like we caught the miss bug whenever we were going to the line. Like it seems like the last few games of the regular season hit us with. Um, obviously, this was this was one of the more physical games I've seen all year. I mean, there was there was guys getting taken back to the locker rooms to get stitches in their chin and their lips. Um, Jordan Walsh like pulled his back somehow, still able to kind of finish out the game, but he had a back brace on at one point. I mean, it, this was an extremely physical game. Um, so. We, we were up by 15 at one point in the second half, and, and Auburn went on a huge run, kind of led by KD Johnson. He he was – Auburn's leading score this game, and he, he really went off in the second half and, and kind of put Auburn on his back to get them back within. So I was really happy to see Arkansas within the last, you know, couple of minutes there not not uh, take that, that run and, and, you know, lose hope, I guess you could say. They ended up getting down by one point after being up by 15. Like you said, Nick Smith hit that – clutch uh, mid-range shot to kind of put us back in the lead and then Devo got a clutch rebound and, and got fouled and hit his free throws so that, that he could, did a good job finishing this game out on what really easily could have been kind of one of those heartbreak losses <laughs> um, so hopefully they can carry some of this momentum on kind of hanging on to this win and and really use that as a momentum builder going through the SEC tournament and then on into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's true. A quick note on, you know, you mentioned Jordan Walsh having that back, you know, issue. It, from what I saw just a few minutes ago on Twitter is it, that it was actually back spasms, and this is coming from his mom. And, you know, they're pretty confident he'll be ready to go against AM tomorrow. And I know we'll, we'll need his defensive intensity tomorrow with, you know, ha- having to go with a more physical, bigger lineup tomorrow with, you know, against that tough AM, you know, big big man game they have so you know and we'll kind of preview that so you know we've got AM tomorrow in the next round of the, this tournament in a neutral court situation where you know we split the wins with them this year we we got the win at home for us and they got the win down in AM for them so looking at this now what do you expect from this matchup um i <laughs> I really expect a very similar matchup to what happened tonight. Um, extremely physical. I, Auburn, or excuse me, A and M's been physical all year. Like you said, they've got a really good big man game. We're going to have to match up with that as best we can. I kind of expect to see Jalen Graham maybe play a bit more. Um, I was also shocked tonight that uh, Kamani Johnson got to start, but I thought he actually provided some good minutes. Had a couple quick fouls early on, but he he really set the tone on some of his defensive intensity. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how we use Kamani Johnson against A&M as well. Um, but then again, I mean, you, you, we're really going to have to have some solid play from our guards um, if we're going to beat A&M. I mean, it, it can't be all the big men. you got to have the guards shooting well as well. Yeah, that's true. I, th- I think, you know, part of the reason you saw Kamani draw the start tonight was just because of his experience. He's been there before, the, you know, the past two seasons with under Muss, you know. I think Muss wanted a guy out there that has, you know, like we said, been in that situation before, especially when you have three young guys that, um, like we said, all season, you know, they're freshmen, they're, they're going to make mistakes. But so to have him out there to kind of 
give some leadership to this team and, you know, kind of guide them through, you know, intense situations like this. So we might see some more big minutes from him tomorrow. Um, I like, I expect to see, you know, maybe some more minutes from Jalen Graham tomorrow, you know, especially I, I think yep. we're going to have to rotate through some big men tomorrow, especially just to keep fresh legs. I was really encouraged to see how well Jordan Walsh played tonight against Auburn, and I'm hoping he can kind of carry that into the A&M game, him being one of our kind of fairly bigger body fellas. Um, he shot four out of five tonight. Um, I think he had 11 points. Had a couple of really clutch offensive rebounds for putbacks and stuff, so he was just kind of he, – he's kind of a cleanup guy, has a lot of hustle plays, doesn't always show up on the stat sheet. He did a little bit tonight, but he's he's actually playing really good ball lately, and uh just happy to see him kind of – get rewarded with a double-digit game. I was about to say, right now is the time that, you know, I would love to see him get hot, especially as we're getting through SEC tournament time and hopefully that NCAA tournament time, you know, he can keep up that hot streak and kind of come into his own right here late into the season. Um, yeah, he, he adds a layer for us um, that we haven't had off and on throughout the year. Um, just that, that little bit of layer of scoring where he can kind of get some of those clutch putbacks and hit a three here and there just – it's one more person you got to actually kind of account for when you're guarding us and frees up, you know, the guys like Smith and Council for those backdoor cuts that much more. Yeah. So Arkansas will be back on the court tomorrow at 6 o'clock, same time as tonight, you know, to take on the Texas A&M Aggies in the next round of the SEC tournament. So, you know, we hope we can keep a hot streak going and, you know, maybe make it to that semifinal, possibly the, the tournament final games. We'll just have to see how the matchups shake up. But – with that being said, we'll jump over to some Arkansas gymnastics where on March 5th, Arkansas took on Georgia, where Arkansas got a win in this one. It was a super close matchup where they won 197.150 to 196.875. So less than a you know half a point there difference in the score, but Arkansas was able to pull this one out where they outscored Georgia on the vault 49.125 to 48.850. They outscored them on the the beam, 49.225 to 49.175. They tied with Georgia on the bars with a 49.475 all. And Georgia outscored Arkansas on the floor, 49.375 to 49.325. So very close margins there, but Arkansas was able to pull out that win. It's like, you know, each week I think we say it, you know, it echoes just – the strength of gymnastics right now with those close wins and yeah. Yeah. It's good to see him get in the win column there. I know we've had some, some really tough close, close losses in some of our previous matches. So happy to see him get a win. Obviously this was tightly contested. So the, the level of um, athleticism that, that all these universities have in their gymnastics department is through the roof. Yeah, and so then we'll bounce over to some Arkansas tennis where Arkansas men's tennis took on Vanderbilt on March 2nd where unfortunately they dropped this match 4-2. to two. And then our women took on Georgia on March 4th where they, they dropped this match 4-1 to one, and then they also dropped a match the next day versus Tennessee 6-1. to one. So not a good weekend for tennis where they went 0-3 in their matchups, but maybe they can bounce back. Um, you know, I still think this is very minimal losses for both teams. So not something I would be super worried about right now, but, you know, hopefully they get back on track this weekend with their matchups they got. 
Yeah, you can obviously tell the uh, the competitiveness in the SEC is a little bit tougher than some of the non-conference. But, you know, get a couple of those early matchups in conference play out of the way and kind of get a chance to evaluate where you are and then make some corrections. And then so we'll jump over now to some Arkansas softball where Arkansas softball kept it rolling this weekend where on March 2nd they took on Iowa State where they took that win 4-0. to Freshman – Freshman Robin Heron pitched a one-hit complete game shutout, and in this game she had 12 strikeouts in seven innings pitched, and this was her third double-digit strikeout game. You know, talk about some talent there at a freshman pitching spot. And then you had Reagan Johnson go for a career best of four of four at the plate with two stolen bases. Ryland Hedgecock finished two of three with a two-run home run, and Reagan Kramer also came out and had a career day with two hits and a home run as well thing that stands out to me there that's really such a highlight for us um, is, is Robin Heron is really kind of coming into her own um, 12 strikeouts in seven innings is is a lot um, and having her alongside Shanice Delcy is just that is such a great one-two punch that's shaping up for us and I'm excited to watch them throughout the rest of the year. Let's say you read my mind that that's where I was going to go you know like you know but having Shanice Delcy with the experience kind of a you know experienced leader there to kind of give some mentoring to Robin Heron, who's got immense talent and just, you know, be able to mentor her probably a little bit, you know, will equal that good one-two punch. You know, if consistency, you know, Dells has had consistency all season early here, early on here in the year. And so if Robin Heron can, can develop that, you know, this is going to be a dangerous team as, you know, we said, you know, not only from the mound perspective, that just adds to the game compared to the offensive firepower we had, as we just talked about, you know, this team, I think is just, as the season goes on, is going to get better and better. Um, you know, speaking of offensive firepower, that takes us into the next game where Arkansas softball took on Texas A&M of Corpus Christi, and they won this game 11-0 to in five innings, where junior Callie Turner and freshman Hannah Kamenzen combined for the shutout in this game where Callie Turner got the start, pitched four innings, had four strikeouts, one hit, and retired 11 of 14. And Hannah Kamenzen came in the last inning to get the final three outs. Arkansas scored 11 runs on 10 hits, with Reagan Johnson going three for three, scoring two runs, stealing her 10th stolen base of the season. And Ryland Hedgecock hit for a career-high two home runs and a career-high four RBIs plus three runs scored. Hard, hard to find any negatives, you know, really over that two game stretch there. Um great offensive outpouring. Obviously you had a lot of a lot of hits. Um Reagan Johnson obviously standing out as far as her her average from the plate. I mean that's that was back to back games of batting a thousand, which is almost impossible to do. And then following up on that in this weekend, you know, they also took on North Texas. This weekend they had the Whoopit Classic Tournament. So they had a lot of games that they played over the weekend. So on March 3rd, they took on North Texas where they won this game 6-2. to two. In this game, Janice Dells got that start with and went seven innings for 11 strikeouts with two runs on two hits. Um, and then, like we just mentioned, Reagan Johnson, again, with two hits, she, with one of those being a triple and one run. One run scored with this being her fourth consecutive multi-hit game. And then you also had Christina Foreman and Timber Riley each drove home a pair of runs as well. Um, so, again, you know, Reagan Johnson continuing to 
be impressive over this weekend. And then that other piece of that one, two punch cheese Dells, you know, going seven innings, 11 strikeouts. It's pretty incredible. She only gave up two hits, unfortunately, turned into two runs. But I mean, that's only two hits is pretty incredible across seven full innings. So she's, she's definitely the workhorse um, with good freshman coming up right behind her and Robin Heron. So like I said, I think the pitching here is, I don't want to take away from how good we are on offense. You got a lot of girls swinging the bat well, but our pitching is really what's been standing out to me. Yeah. And I mean, and they continue this hot play and in, in, on the next day on March 4th, where they took on Texas A&M Corpus Christi again and won this game 12 to zero in five innings. So another, you know, run rule game where Robin Heron got the start pitched four in a third innings with one hit and 11 strikeouts. So another multi strikeout, double digit strikeout game. Uh, you had Nikki McGaffin come in for the final two-thirds inning and close that out. And in this game, you had Arkansas have 12 hits and 12 runs. Um, you can't ask to get much better than that with Ryland Hedgecock having a grand slam in this game. Um, and again, once again, you know, that name Reagan Johnson went two for two with two runs scored, two walks, one RBI, and a stolen base. Unreal, dude. I, her, I need to look up her batting average. So I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head, but it's – I mean, it's got to be through the roof for the season at this point. That, that is, that's very true. It's like just insane. This stretch of hitting that we're having right now, um, it's honestly mind-blowing. Um, and then you jump it's, over to the doubleheader that day with Arkansas taking on Iowa State, where Callie Turner started this game and went six and six a third innings with one hit with four runs and five strikeouts with Hannah Kamenzing coming in in the final two-thirds of innings to, you know, close out the game. In this game, Reagan Kramer went two for three, had a career high, four RBIs with a three-run home run. And then you have Ryland Hedgecock that had a solo home run, and then Hannah Gamble drew a career high of three walks and scored two runs. I don't really know what else to say other than they're, they're, they've got the ball rolling. I know – Later on in the week, they had kind of a, a rough one against UCA, and we'll cover that in a minute. But the the softball team really impressing me so far to start the year. Yeah, I mean it's it's just incredible to watch they're continuing a you know streak from last year where you know was able to they 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 lost a tough matchup against Texas last year in our super regional, and to see them come out firing this year is just incredible. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned that stats for Reagan Johnson, you know, this season, it's her average this season is a four, two, two batting. That's out. a little lower than I expected to be honestly. She's on a tear over the last week ish. I was about to say uh, with that percentage, you're looking at also a slugging percentage of 0. 0.494. That's pretty incredible, though. I mean, and an, on base, and an on base percentage of 462. You win a lot of games, and all your all your hitters are batting in the 400s. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. And to round out this weekend in the Woodpit Classic, Arkansas softball took on North Texas, where they won this game 11 to one in five innings. So you know, I think this is their like fifth game of run, of run ruling this season. Um, they used three pitchers in this game. Robin Heron came out and pitched three innings for three strikeouts, two walks, and one hit. Janice Dells came in for one inning and stranded two runners. And then Hannah Camden came in and, you know, took us home with one inning's worth of work with two hits and one run. 
In this game, you had Reagan Kramer. She went two for two with four RBIs and a three-run home run. You had Lauren Kimmonson have two hits with a two-run home run. And Kylie Howerson went two for three with two RBIs and two runs scored. And this is her fifth multi-hit game. So the offense just kept rolling this game as well. It's seems like they're they're in a good spot right now. But, you know, a little, little hiccup as, you know, we talk about their midweek game where they took on UCA, where they lost a close one, two to one. This was just a back and forth, you know, honestly, pitchers. We, we went to this game. And, you know, Janice Dells pitched a fifth, her fifth complete game and her third double-digit strikeout with 10 Ks, allowing only two runs on four hits. But, you know, those two runs is what did it. You know, we couldn't we, – we managed to score run one run with Reagan Johnson going two of four at the plate with a stolen base, and she scored Arkansas a single run. But, you know, you know you're going to drop some games, and I don't think this is going to – one this one midweek game is not going to kill us. I don't think it's anything to freak out about at all. It's just I, it's kind of kind of a uh, funny one, ironic one to lose, you know, to an in-state opponent in UCA. UCA's got a good team. Got to give them that credit for sure. Got got some good pitching there, and I think this was probably one of the first games I've actually seen a struggle to really get hits. Um, nevertheless, I mean, I, like I said, I don't think we're in any type of panic mode scenario at all it's just kind of one of those games like you said you, you'll, you'll have off nights where it just doesn't seem like anybody can really see the ball well and sometimes it just doesn't work out great but if you're having more more wins than losses the way we are where we're like I think you said what are we at five run rule games on the season so far that's a that's a pretty good metric yeah and I think it's like we said you know they they, they were hot all weekend you know with swinging the bat and you know they had to cope Cool and almost come back to earth in a sense at some point. Uh, right. And so I think this is a game you saw that. But, you know, they're going to open up SEC play this weekend as A&M comes to town for their first uh, SEC series of the week or of the year. So, you know, we need to get a hot start here and hopefully preferably sweep this series, but um, at least get the series win. With that being said, you had Reagan Kramer get the honor of being named SEC Player of the Week this week for her performance over the that that weekend we talked about where you know Arkansas won all of its games and run ruled three of the games. It, it's you know it's hard to pick just one player to you know choose from, but you know Reagan Kramer performed well enough to get that honor of SEC Player of the Week, and I see several from this team. It's hard for me to believe that down the road you're, there's not going to be several SEC player of the weeks from this squad throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I really agree with that. I, I think the reason she, she kind of edged out Reagan Johnson was just some of her home runs she had. She had a couple of big moonshots, and that I think that kind of pushed her over to the top on getting that player of the week nod. Yeah. We'll uh, switch gears kind of the same vein here, but look at some Arkansas baseball. Um, the baseball team took on Wright State on March 3rd. Um, we won this game 12 to two in eight innings. Hagan Smith got the start going four and two thirds innings. Uh, he gave up three hits and one run. He had seven strikeouts and five walks. Um, he pitched 105 pitches. He was relieved by Dylan Carter, who pitched two and a third, who had four hits, one run, three strikeouts and one walk on 43 pitches. And then Parker Coyle pitched an inning, had two hits, one strikeout on 24 pitches. Um, Brady Slavens and Peyton Stovall each had home runs and drove in four of those 12 runs. 
Um, then the next day, played right State again in the series and got this win 12 to 6. Will McIntyre got the start going five innings, um, gave up eight hits, but only three runs, had six strikeouts on 95 pitches. And he was relieved by Austin Ledbetter, who threw three innings, um, gave up one hit, two strikeouts, and 33 pitches. Jake Faherty came in, pitched two thirds of an inning. Um, he gave up three runs, only had one strikeout on 22 pitches, and he was pulled. And Ben Bybee came in, pitched a third of an inning, had one hit on 12 pitches. Um, kind of an item of note here, we had three homers in this game. Um, Peyton Stovall, Jared Wegner, and Jason Jones all hit some. And uh, Jared Wegner kind of continuing his hot hitting, going two for three with two RBIs and then a home run. Um, then to round out the series, um, we played them on March 5th. We got the win here, 6-2 to two for the sweep. Um, Hunter Holland got the start here. He had a really good outing, pitched six innings, had five hits, only one run, and had five strikeouts. Only had two walks as well on 90 pitches. And he was relieved by Cody Frank. Um, he only pitched a third of an inning, had one pitch, and ended up – I can't remember. He tore his lateral muscle. That yeah, it was Caleb? something like that around the, his back, you know, right there. His back under shoulder. Arm. Yeah. Yeah, ended up tearing a muscle there on, on his first pitch, and unfortunately he's out for the season now. So um, got the win here, but definitely um, had a kind of gloomy feeling about it having Cody Frank being out for the season now. Um, Cody Adcock came in after him and uh, had a solid outing, pitched two and two-thirds innings, gave up three hits, only one run, had one strikeout on 41 pitches. Um, Jace Borfin kind of stole the show here, had three hits with a, a big blast had three RBIs, um, so he, he had a pretty good game as well. He's actually had a pretty pretty good start to the season. I've enjoyed watching him get a lot more playing time than he did last year. I know he I, I think he was good enough to play some last year. We just had so many other talented players on that roster. It was kind of hard to find a spot for him, but he's he's really found his place to shine in the lineup, and he's, he's done a great job so far. You also got to remember last year, I think, in a decent chunk of the season, he had that shoulder injury that he went through as well. Yes, very true. Like, I think very he was true. getting into a flow, um, and then he, he – I think he was trying to catch a ball and, you know, just ran into the, the wall and injured that shoulder, uh, which put him out for a decent chunk of the season. And I think he was able to come back um, in the year but wasn't necessarily fully himself. But, you know, in, in, you know, that second game of the series, we are talking about Jared Wagner. He – you know, if you just look at his stats so far this season – the man is, you know, doing crazy things. You know, you look at his batting average, he's hitting 422 with a 526 on base percentage and a slugging percentage of 0.911. It's, I'm not sure we've had a hitter this powerful, but also hitting for an average like that since Kerstad. I mean, I, I don't want to compare him to Kerstad necessarily because um, that's, I mean, you're, you're talking, Top two draft pick right there. Um, but, my gosh, he's had an incredible start to the year. Um, I'm excited to see kind of where that shakes out whenever he gets to conference play, if that that hot hitting kind of is able to continue against, you know, I mean, obviously some better pitching talent. Um, but, but he is definitely a uh, highlight player to watch for. He's, I mean, anytime he's up to, up to the plate, it's, it's must-see TV. You never know what's going to happen when he's up there. That's true. And I mean, you know, Jace Borfin's right there close with him. He's he's hitting a 444 with an on-base percentage of 580 and a slugging percentage of 806. So he's, you know, they're both, you know, 
hitting close to 500. And, you know, you, you can tell in the games that they're on, you know, they're putting up home runs, RBIs, you know, having great at-bats. Yeah, one one thing that doesn't really show up in some of the stats we read here, but uh, Jace Borfren is – he's really patient at the plate. You see him get pitchers to get in a lot of deep counts. Um, uh, you don't see him swing a lot at those first pitch strikes. Sometimes I, I like it when when uh, hitters do that, but it's hard to get into the bullpen that way. And he's he's drawn quite a few walks this year so far as well, on top of hitting a good percentage. And that's that's one thing that really, in my eyes, really puts Jace up there with with some of the better players we've had over the last few years. It's just his his patience at the plate, plus his ability to hit a, a high percentage. So. I was about to say, really Stovall's, glad we got him on the squad. Go ahead. Yeah, I was about to say, Peyton Stovall has been really good at the plate as well this season, as far as that patient and working those counts and getting up to, you know, getting those full counts and you know, getting getting two pitchers. There, it's good to see him improving on a, you know, decent freshman campaign he had last year, um, and to see him build off that, it's, you know, good to see. Yeah, he had a great end of the year last year, and he's carried that over. I mean. Yeah. His defensive abilities, I mean, you got to have him on the field just for that, but then he's swinging the bat well to start the year for sure. I'll yeah. let you uh, carry out the midweek game here. Yeah, so in this midweek game, Arkansas took on Army. Uh, this was actually our military appreci- appreciation game that we had. Arkansas won this game close with 7-5. to five. It was – Arkansas was actually down this game till late in the game where they were down at 4-0. to zero. Um through most of this game, you know, Parker Coyle, the freshman, got the start in this game, went three and two-thirds innings, allowed six hits, three runs, one walk, three strikeouts on 60 pitches. And then you he was relieved by Austin Ledbetter, who came in and pitched two and a third innings with three hits, one run, one strikeout, and 28 pitches. And then Dylan Carter came in to close things with three innings of work with three hits, one run, one walk, two strikeouts on 44 pitches. And then – you know, a guy that goes almost underappreciated sometimes is our designated hitter, Kendall Diggs. You know, he's not on the field defensively a lot. So, you know, you don't think about him a lot, but man, can the man swing the bat. You know, he was able to propel Arkansas to the win in this game where he had a three-run home run in the bottom of the eighth that put Arkansas up seven to five and give us that final score. Yeah, he's he's uh quickly turning into this year's Charlie Welch. I know a lot of you guys will remember him from in the past, but just kind of that Mr. Clutch guy that when you need a clutch hit or clutch home run or something like that, Diggs is he's quickly kind of taking on that role, I guess you could say. I I don't think his percentage is as high as some of the other guys on the team, but just his his power abilities. Um, it's nice to have him in the lineup. Yeah, I think I heard a stat saying that since I think middle of the season last year in the Ole Miss game when he hit his first three-run home run, can't all the way up to now, this is like his fifth or sixth three-run home run he's hit. Like, he likes the three-run home runs. So, um, you know. He clutches up on those guys on base. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. And then, you know, in this game, Jared Wagner can wag – Actually, I learned it's pronounced Wagner as if it was an A. So it's spelled Wagner, but it's pronounced Wagner. That that came up over the weekend. So um, in this game, he had a three-run home run that he actually hit off the batter's eye. You know, that when you talk about that, that's some power right there because that's dead center. You know, if you hit the ball off the, that batter's eye dead center, that's some power you got right there. 
he didn't hit it off the bottom of that thing too. I mean, it was midway up. That he touched that ball. It was it was crushed. I, I think the projection said it was going to go like four hundred and forty feet or something ridiculous. So the the dude's continuing his um, freak season so far. It's like I said, he, you got to watch whenever he's at the plate. You never know what's going to happen. I was about to say that that's almost big league power right there. That, you know, to shoot a home run dead center, usually most home runs you're seeing going either right, left, but straight out of the park was just like I said, man. He's he's uh comparable to Kerstad as far as that goes. I know Kerstad put countless number of balls in the pond back there behind that batter's eye. So it's it's pretty fun to see somebody come back in that's got that type of power. Um it makes for exciting baseball games. Yeah. You know, we got, we got a series upcoming this weekend versus Louisiana Tech. I know this will be another game weekend that we'll both be up for watching those games. So we'll be able to give you some more live insight from that. But as we, we start talking about upcoming events, we're starting up your weekend and rounding out, you know, through the rest of the weekend. And next week you've got Arkansas women's tennis taking on A&M tomorrow, March 10th. You got also Arkansas softball, as we mentioned earlier, starting their first SEC series of the year, taking on A&M over the weekend. Arkansas basketball, as we mentioned, will be taking on Texas A&M tomorrow at that 6 o'clock slate in the next round of the SEC tournament. And then Arkansas baseball is going to be taking on, like I just mentioned, that Louisiana Tech series starting up on tomorrow afternoon. And then Arkansas Gymnastics are going to round out their season with their last home meet that's actually going to be held in Bud Walton for the second time this year tomorrow as well. And then you have your Arkansas men's and women's track and field team competing in the NCAA Indoor Championships over March 10th and 11th. And then you have some Arkansas soccer going on as they are, you know, starting to, I think, have their spring, you know, scrimmages as they're taking on Missouri on the 11th as well as volleyball taking on UCA on the 11th. And then you have Arkansas men's tennis having a conference matchup with Kentucky, as well as women's tennis taking on LSU. Those are going to be going on March 11th and 12th. And then Arkansas baseball next week is going to have a midweek series, actually, where they're going to play on Tuesday and Wednesday versus UNLV on the 14th and 15th. And then softball's midweek series versus Wichita State on the 14th. So a lot of things getting ramped up here, especially in clutch key time as, you know, Arkansas men's basketball is in the SEC tournament here, trying to make a run to help improve their stock for NCAA Selection Sunday for the tournament, which is going to be on Sunday as well. So we'll find out what the tournament and bracketologists have for us on Sunday and see where we fall, what, you know, division we're going to be in the all the projections I've seen have us going to is I think the east division in New York for at least the first round anyway and then yeah too yeah yeah I think it I just wish they would give us a slot that's closer you know I think they'd get a lot of fan support if they put us in that Kansas City you know regional and, you know, hog, tra- hog fans travel well. They'll still be hog fans traveling up to New York to see us play. But, you know, if you stuck them in that Kansas City regional, I, I think, you know, hog fans would, you know, head up in droves. You need projections from you as far as the tournament goes, you know, where we'll match up at. Man, I 
I know we talked with David last week about uh he he's kind of hoping we get matched up in the uh, Houston bracket. Um, I could see that being fairly beneficial for us in a way. Um, I've kind of kind of kind of got my hopes on that side as well, but I, I'll just be glad to make it. <laughs> I, I know that sounds a little uh little depressing in a way, but we've kind of had a rough end of the year with kind of a four game skid. We got, we were able to write the ship tonight against Auburn, obviously wasn't the, the most pretty game ever, um, but kind of get back in that win column right here at the, the right time of the year. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be excited to see where we ended up in our seed. Yeah, I agree. I think, best after that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those things where with the up and down year we've had and the, the situation with injuries, just, you know, like you said, to get in that tournament and make a run, I think is what what we're gonna have to do. And I think this team is they've got the talent to do it. They've got the coaching to do it. The piece that comes into play is as far as you've got that talent, but along with that comes some inexperience as far as some clutch, you know, big, big time games. So that's something that we're gonna have to rely on Devo, Kamani, some of those guys that have been there before, they know how to play in those intense situations and can hopefully give some guidance to those young players. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm going to be watching for over obviously the AM game tomorrow and then just kind of going into the NCAA tournament, depending on how far we're making the SEC tournament, obviously is just a reduction of turnovers. I know that was another thing that kind of plagued us tonight. That was, in my opinion, one of the main reasons that Auburn was actually able to kind of chip away at our 15 point lead that we had in the second half is some, kind of inexcusable, unexplainable turnovers um, and, and back-to-back-to-back possessions. Um, so so got to do a little bit better job taking care of the basketball. Like you said, the talent is there. I think those turnovers kind of speak a little bit to maybe um, that inexperience level in a high-pressure situation in an intense game like that. So maybe getting that first tournament game kind of under the belt, getting some of those jitters out of the way um, with that. I know Bridgestone Arena was packed. It was a pretty loud environment with, you know, obviously both fan bases going after it tonight. So get that win under the belt, kind of maybe shake some of those nerves off and start playing a little bit cleaner on the turnover side of things. And uh, you could really see us make a run the right way. Because I think every other metric tonight, in my opinion, actually looked pretty good. Free throws, we shot well, shot a decent enough amount from the field. Um, and then we had quite a few offensive rebounds and, and did well in the defensive rebounding as well. So clean up those turnovers. And I, I really think that this game tonight would have been closer to a 10, 12 point win. Yeah. You know, in that mention, you know, of turnovers, you know, we did have 19 turnovers compared to Auburn's 10. So we nearly doubled them in turnovers, but you know, a good metric, like you're talking about that rebound stat, you know, we out rebounded them 37 to 19 on the boards. So, and, you know, that I think that's, one of the first times this season, I think we've been very competitive on the boards and especially by a large margin of, you know, 28 plus 28 in that metric. So. Yes, that, that definitely speaks to um, kind of the hustle players out there between Kamani, Jordan Walsh, the Mitchells, um, th- those guys, especially. And then, and then realistically, I mean, Devo and Anthony Black, they pull down quite a bit for being guards Bigger, bigger size guards helps, but they're in and around that rim a lot too. So team did a great job to not boxing out and then kind of scrapping for some of those loose balls and being able to put some of those back up really helped us secure the win tonight. 
Yeah. And so, like we said, hopefully they continue that on tomorrow and can make a maybe a deep run and even get to the finals of this SEC tournament. I think that could definitely help our stock. And maybe, I don't know if it bounces us up out of that 9-8 seed mark, maybe to a, maybe a 7. I don't know. Um, definitely, I think winning it would probably bump us up a little bit. But we'll see it what happens. Yeah, it won't hurt. But we'll see what happens if we can make it there. But um, as we wrap up again, thank you for listening today. Today's episode of Whoopig Weekly, and we'll be back at you next week.